Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to the City Light Church podcast. We're so honored you've joined us. We hope that today's podcast brings you hope, encouragement, and most of all, adds value to you in your walk with Jesus Christ. We long to see people grow from where they are closer to where God desires them to be, and it's our hope that this podcast is an essential element in that process for you. So grab a pen, your Bible, and a journal, and let's dive into today's message. Do you have a Bible with you this morning? We're gonna get. We're gonna look in the Bible. Um, what a what a cool book to preach from. Amen. Thank you, Kyrie. What a cool book to preach from. I know it's my favorite, and um, I don't have a lot of other material. I figure once I preach all of this, I'll move on to some other books that um, folks have written. But for now, I, I'm I have just barely scratched the surface, but I've only been preaching for 20 years or so. So, um, you know, who knows? I may run out of material in the next couple hundred years. Um, I'll let you know. But uh, Matthew chapter 21 is where I'm going to launch. But as, uh, as you go there, I want to tell you a little bit about um, this, this first of the year and this message, uh, Time for a Change. Uh, you, you know, this is the time, you do know this is the time to, to make your New Year's resolutions, right? Amen. Anybody? Does anybody know that? This is, this is actually when they do it, those people out there that do it. Uh, apparently, none of us do them, and I, I do them all year long. I don't wait till January to start them, but a lot of people do. And uh, New Year's resolutions are always fascinating to me to hear what people are doing and what's going on uh, in, in society. In 2021, 31% of survey participants planned on making resolutions for 2021. So out of everyone they asked, about 31% said, yes, um, we'll do it. 19 were still undecided as the year was moving in. Uh, the most popular resolutions, however, in 2021 are for exercise, imagine that, improving fitness, about 50% of the participants, losing weight, about 48% of the participants, and saving money, 44%, and improving diet, 39%. Of those that made a resolution in 2021, watch this, 35% of them kept all of their resolutions. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. So it tells you it can be done. 49% kept uh, some of their rev, uh, resolutions, and only 16% failed at keeping any of their resolutions. 1% denied ever having a resolution after setting their resolution. <laughs> Apparently, was, those people were all pulled around the Washington, D.C. area. <laughs> Just saying. Just kidding. Just kidding. This is why we pray for our leaders. Amen. <laughs> All right, just kidding. All right, um, regional, um, this is kind of fascinating. Regional statistics, losing weight is more important to those who live in the Midwest than the other U.S. regions, while exercising is more important for those on the West Coast compared to the rest of the U.S. Southern states find it more important to drink less alcohol. To drink less alcohol than the other regions. Like, they don't want to drink le less alcohol. I just want to drink less than the other people, all right? <laughs> hoping, I don't know what they're hoping. But, but the Northeast has more people that would like to stop drinking alcohol completely. That's the Northeast. 
The Northeast is also twice as likely to want to spread, spend more time volunteering in their community. I thought that was fascinating. Um, I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it was they were polling around the wintertime and those folks just want to do anything inside. And so they're like, can I go serve somewhere so I don't have to run my heat or what? I don't know what they were after. Um, and then lastly, the reasons people failed were 35% were unrealistic goals. 33% didn't keep track of their progress. Very important uh, to, to, to track, um, maintain uh, measure what you're trying to maintain. And 23% forgot about their resolutions. And 10, I guess life just happens. And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I forgot I was supposed to do this. 10%, um, they said that they just made too many resolutions. And I think it's um, so important that we take inventory of our life and look at this time of year. We look at what it is that the Lord wants to accomplish. And I love this in the body of Christ, how some folks will say, well, this is my word for the year. This is what I feel like the Lord laid upon my heart and my spirit. I feel like the Lord is saying this. And for some people, it's a word. And some people, it's a sentence. It's a direction. And I get that. I hear that a lot. And, um, uh, and that's pretty cool. But um, I, that's never been kind of, I don't know, I, I've just never connected with that for me personally. And I know that there's some of that in the church, and I agree with that. I know there's some, some um, prophets, if you, if you will. There's uh, apostolic leaders. These are biblical words. So overarching leadership in America and the world in Christendom, we'd call that apostolic and leadership. Prophetic in nature, we would call these people that have leadings in the spirit of what the Lord is speaking about this year. We would say that's a prophetic nature. That's a biblical word. We still see that happening. Um, we, we see uh, that manifested in our national. And that's really, really cool. The Jewish people have this um, in the numbers, in the Hebrew language, and what a word means for the year. So there's a, a significance on the number of this year and what that means in the Hebrew. So people are always looking at these things to uh, how will it address their coming year. Uh, and resolutions are no different. And so for us... Uh, and for me, I just said, you know what I want to do this year is I want to make a resolution that we move our church from spectators to participators. Like, like, um, like this has been the DNA of our church is that we want to put ministry in your hands and say, stop asking us to do everything and start imploring yourself, employing yourself with us to do everything. All right. So let's together go do this thing. See, in order to understand th this, this model, you've really got to understand a little bit about church history. Um, so there were some significant changes from the time of Christ to the apostolic years. So 30 AD to 90 AD, that's apostolic years. And then up to about 300 or so AD um, when the church took on the form of an organization. So in the early days, when Christ walked this earth in Jerusalem, in Israel, he actually imparted to um, the Jewish people this presence of God, this thing he called the kingdom of God. This is the presence of God. This is the, the Holy Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, fruit being love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, all these 
Um, these are the fruit. All of them are the fruit. This is how we know the Holy Spirit's working in us as we're bearing this fruit of this gentleness, this kindness. It's growing in us. The fruit of the Spirit's growing in this intensity. And the gifts of the Spirit, and there are both supernatural and there are very natural gifts. So there are giftings that we have. The Holy Spirit comes along and empowers us and puts us in places to serve and develops us and gives us a platform for that, be it in the marketplace, be it in the community. And um, uh, I, I believe I believe there are some very natural gifts that are not listed in the Bible the Holy Spirit's uh, imparted to us. I believe in athletics, that there are believers, followers of Christ that they have been gifted athletically and they've been put in a place uh, for a platform to proclaim Christ. I believe that happens in Hollywood. I believe that happens in politics. I believe people have platforms and they serve with a gifting and a calling. I'm going to tell you, if you're a teacher in this place, that's a gifting of God. If you serve in the, in, the, in the school system, that is a gift. If you're in law enforcement and fire rescue, that is a gift. God puts you there. I've, I've been with a lot of deputies and, and mostly deputies, a few police officers, and uh, had to, had time with them, spent time with them for various roles in the community. And I'm telling you, a lot of law enforcement operates in the gift of what we would call discernment. And so they just, they can discern things. It is a spiritual thing going on. They think it's, uh, they've learned a technique and a, a trait. They just kind of rationalize it. And I see it totally different. I say, oh no, that's a gift, man. You're picking up on on things that I, I, I don't think you can train somebody. It's a gift you have called discernment, and they're operating in this. And it's just, I want to be a, uh, I want to participate in this, and, and I want to grow in this gift, and I want to grow in these things that the Lord is doing in me. And, and in the early church, when you had the synagogues of the Jewish people, the, it was a, um, it, it was the priestly Walk. It was the priestly role to do everything. This is when Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus now imparts kingdom into to, to the people. And he says, no longer is it just the priest that's going into the what they call the holy place between God and, and man. And he's interceding. No longer is that going to happen. The veil's going to rip. You're going to be given this thing. And Christ died. The veil was rent. And the Holy Spirit was imparted unto all men so that you now become the ministry. Paul says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not Christ in me. And you can somehow get your coworkers here. Listen, your coworkers may never, ever come here. The only Jesus they're going to see is the fifth gospel called you. It's the book of you. You're it. You are a letter written by God to men and women in Ocala 2022. They're going to read you. You're the red letter Jesus they're going to get. And so we have to take this mandate seriously. So about 300 years after Christ, you get the church forming in this organization, the Council of Nicaea, and they start forming the church and how the church works. You with me? So the church actually takes on some of the, the, um, the mannerisms of the culture. So in the early days, you had synagogues that were focused around, think about this, the temple in the Old Testament was, you walked in and there was an outer court, think of like an outdoor courtyard, and then there was an inner court when you went in this building or the tent, and there's the inner court and there was a candlestick and there was a table of, of bread and an altar of incense, and if you walk behind that curtain, the next curtain, it was, there was no light, and it was just the altar. 
So everything in that temple was centered around God, right? Then you came into the synagogues as they built them and in the temple in Jerusalem, and it was centered still centered around the altar and around God. However, when you look at the culture, that's, that's people that are receiving a, press, a priestly blessing on them, right? But when you look at the culture, the culture that operates not out of heavenly knowledge, but out of earthly, the knowledge of good and evil, the Roman culture, they were building edifices. They were building these buildings that focused around men. They centered around men. And so there was this oratory. There was this stage. So you had amphitheaters, but then you had these buildings. In fact, we have a picture of, 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 of a building from this Roman basilica, this early, early time of Christ, just prior to Christ. And on the inside, there's long, these long um, open area, airways, and they built these so that you would have an orator, someone standing in there and speaking, and the attention would be drawn to them. So when you look at these different types of churches on down through history, you have the Saxon period, the Norman period, the early English period, and, and um, all of these periods have the buildings that actually represent what's going on. But here's the unique thing, whether it's Byzantine or Romanesque, uh, abbey churches, no matter what they are, Gothic cathedrals, what have you, even throughout the Renaissance, watch this. The center point always remains upon a speaker. So you have the temple of God where the emphasis was on God, and now we have the edifices focused on the priest. So when the church comes along some 300 years and starts building edifices, the focus is there upon the priest. It's the atrium, the nave, what we call the altar, and it is the, the um, choir loft. It is another word asked, but it's the choir loft. So it's... Um, it's focused on the priest. Now, what's crazy is it's 2022, and although the edifices have changed, especially in a non-denominational non church like this, the focal point is still upon a speaker. Are you with me? Yes. So the byproduct culturally is that you are, by definition, a spectator this morning. Right? This is not a dialogue. It's a monologue, right? I'm speaking, you're listening. And, um, and that's, that, that has its place. But the early church did not really operate like this. It, it was different. It was service-oriented. It was, um, we were among each other. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, um, we actually see this story in the early church, and, and these aren't on your notes, but you can write it down, verse 42 through 47. Later, you can read this. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is during that first um, uh, 90 years or so, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and hold, held all things in common, and they sold their possessions and property and distributed those proceeds to all and to any who have need. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is a picture. Now, Acts is a... Um, a description, not a prescription. Are you with me? Some people read the book of Acts and um, we go, okay, that's a prescription on how we should do this. So let's sell the building and let's just have houses 
and go house to house and find us a temple. And then every now and then we'll meet around the temple and hope that they don't trespass us. And, or maybe even they'll let us in and we'll share the temple, um, which we don't have one of those rounds. So we're going to have to find some other place. And they tried to, um, they tried to form their, their today modern culture around a, per, a, a description of what was going on biblically. And they missed the real context. The real context was that ministry was going on in and through the people among each other in such a glorious way that folks that were not part of following Christ and Christendom were very attracted to it, right? Now, I'm going to say something not harsh and controversial because it actually happens a lot of times. Sometimes things happen in a church. We got something called church hurt. Anybody ever heard of that? Some things... Some things happen in church, and the way that we work with each other is so unforgiving, so harsh, and so destructive and divisive that some folks find their healing and find more connectivity in a local bar or pub or nightclub or some other place more so than the local church. And the difference is they have a form of love and acceptance over here. And at the church, many times, we are so rigid in what we believe, and we're so rigid in what we want and what we require that we do not bend, and we will not listen to you. You either conform or you're not part of us. And the, and the early church was, was not like this. Evangelism always preceded discipleship. Going forward with good news always went first. Discipleship came later as you grew. So let me, let me back up for just a minute. Jesus gave us this parable in Matthew 21. And he says this, What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, My son, go work in the vineyard today. He, the son, answered, I don't want to. How many of you have a son or child like that every now and then? <laughs> I don't want to. But later, he changed his mind. Another word for that is he repented. And he went. And then the man went to the other and said the same thing. I will, sir, he answered, but he didn't go. Now, which of the two did his father's will? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors, the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him. Tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. But you, when you saw it, didn't even change your mind. Again, repent then and believe him. Jesus is telling this parable and then transitioned into truth. And here's what he says. He says, the word of the Lord came and a, and a son did not want to hear what the father said, but it settled in his spirit and it's, it became less about me and more about, here's an, a King James word, thee. It became less about me and more about thee. And so he repented. That's a, that's a word that means change your mind. He changed his mind and he did what the Lord asked him to do. And, and Jesus is saying, um, there is a message going forth of righteousness and folks who are far from the church are hearing this 
and obeying and they're changing their hearts and they're coming into the kingdom. And then he turns to the Pharisees and he says, but you guys, you guys heard this. And because you had your Sunday walk and you had your do's and your don'ts, your wills and your wants, you learn what to say and not say, you know, and you learn the rules, jump rope and don't smoke dope and whatever it is, that is your rules. You learn how to do those things, right? That when the Lord provoked you, you didn't say, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. And Tammy was just telling us this in a prayer. The Lord provoked her. She instantly turns. That's the lifestyle of a follower of Christ. Not batting a thousand. It's that we're constantly listening to the heart of the Father. And when he says, go, we go. When he says, correction, redo this. We stop and we turn and we redo what it is that God is telling us to do. Jesus is telling us there is a time to shift and change our thinking from we don't want to heart to we will spirit. Matthew 7, 24, therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, he will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And be the one who who hears these words of mine and doesn't act. You see the difference? It's just act on the word. What does the word say to do? And you know the word says to do it, do it. If you don't do it, there needs to be a repentance, a changing of the mind, and an empowering, because repentance always precedes a revival of heart and spirit. Repentance always proceeds a revival of heart and spirit. There needs to be this awakening, I should be, fill in the blank, and your heart shifts and your spirit shifts and you engage it and go after it and you fumble and you stumble, and, but you persevere and you experience another level of God that you've never experienced, that you've only heard about. Have you ever been the weird one that God used like God used you and you become the weird one. Why? Because God used you. Like so many times when we're, first off, let me help you with something. The fact you're here today, there are folks that think you're weird. You got up on a Sunday and went where? For an hour and a half, you did what? That's weird, man. Are you part of a cult? Did they sprinkle magic dust on you? What are they doing inside that building anyway, right? But you are weird. But when is the last time you've really been weird? Like when is the last time you went out there and somebody said, I can't believe you've forgiven them or I can't believe you gave that to them or I can't believe that you sacrificed this. You took vacation? You, you took vacation and went and served at a local mission in our city? Are you kidding me? That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. For them it's weird, but for you it may have just been act because God said do. When's the last time you acted? James says it this way. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. We, in the West, because we're academically minded, we have this spirit of academia. It's about how much we know, how much scripture we know. If you go back and read the, the New Testament, the early church, it had nothing to do with how much theology you knew. It had nothing to do with how much of the Torah you knew had nothing to do of what you know, the sayings of the fathers and, and the writings of the early, uh, the early prophets. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with, have you experienced the life in Christ? 
Is the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in you and through you? Paul says, I didn't come to you with fancy words of intellect and wisdom, but I came to you in demonstration the power of the Holy Spirit. Where is it that we in church history lost the presence and power of Holy Spirit in our life? Because it was so evident in the first century. And since then, it's been build our buildings and learn a good little lesson. But most of the time, it doesn't equate inside of us into something magnificent. We still have our issues. We rarely see this thing broken, the, the, the issues of, of hate, the issues of, of lust and greed, the issues of, of the modern day. Rarely see it broken. Why is that? We rarely grow in our faith. Can you name the 12 disciples? Can you name the books of the New Testament? These are, these are Bible basics. There's a lot of scripture and a lot of Bible basics that a lot of believers today calling themselves believers, going to church believers, there's fundamental baselines that they don't know. And that's okay. As long as they're experiencing the Holy Spirit. And so I'm one of these guys that says this, it's more important that I get you in the presence of God and allow the Holy Spirit to provoke you to go back to this and begin to learn what it is God wants to do in you this year. For some of you, here's what it's going to be, is that you're going to learn more about the fruit of the Spirit this year than you've ever known. For others, you may learn more about this, the gifts of the Spirit. For some of you, the Holy Spirit's going to touch you, and it's going to be giving and forwarding missions. Another great year plan for forwarding missions in our city, both with M&M's, muscle and money. It'll be another great year. For some of you, it's going to be serve. It's going to be, I need to be in the children and, and be a part of the 12X club, man. I need to be 12 times a year. I need to, at least first Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday, fourth Sunday. I need to serve in my church. I need to be a host. I need to work in the media. I need to be on the worship team. I need to be in the church and the kids department. I need to be in the students department. I need to serve. I need to allow what God has done in me to come out and, and, and give to somebody else. Act. The foolish man heard, didn't act. The wise man heard and act. Here's what I want to teach you. Hear what the Lord is saying. Act on what the Lord is saying. I, I, don't, need, I don't necessarily need another um, I, a great theologian to stand up. And, and we need teachers, absolutely. But we're not trying to make everyone here biblical scholars. Are you following me? We want you to study the Bible. We want you to learn the depth of the Word so that you can rightly divide it. That's not, that's not uh, up for debate either. But what I really want you to do is hear what the Lord is saying this year and do it. Not deceiving ourselves. I'm going to close with this. Um, team can come on back up. James 2.14 says... What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Acts. I got great faith. Oh, God can move a mountain. You can stand there and you can trumpet that. God can move this mountain. God can move this mountain. That's wonderful. I mean, you could be a great orator of the city. God can move this mountain. But I'm looking for the guy with the shovel. As Throwing dirt, moving the mountain. Are you with me? What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? 
If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. Someone will say to you, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. I love this because James is actually saying, I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, he is saying that my works are a manifestation of my faith. I believe God said go. I believe God says give. I believe God says tell your neighbor. I believe God says, and the, the works is the manifestation. It's the act of what I heard the Lord say. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Here, here's what here's what Pastor Ken is saying this morning. I love you. Glad you're here. Want you here. But I I'm joining in with James here, and I'm saying this. Um, if you're not going to act on this, it'd probably be better if you just stay home. <laughs> what? Did that pastor just say that? I'm saying, I love you. I want you here. I, with all my heart, I want you to hear the Holy Spirit. But I need you to act on what the Holy Spirit is saying. And if you're not going to, it's probably better if you just don't come and hear what the Spirit is saying. You're saying, Pastor, what are, you, what are you saying? I'm saying, Jesus said, don't be foolish. Like the one who heard, but did not build his house on the rock. He was foolish. Be wise. Like the one who heard and acted and built his house on the rock. I'm saying it's probably better to ride in the front car of the train on the way to hell than the caboose. Some folks are trying to hang on and just barely get to God by being on the caboose to hell. Just commit. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying if you're going to live a wayward lifestyle, you're going to live a half-committed lifestyle, just commit to the devil and whoop it up for 70 years. I mean, have yourself a merry little life. Amen, somebody. Go out in a blaze of glory to hell. But if you're going to commit to Christ, then you lay down on the cross and you totally surrender your life. And you say, I'm not going halfway. I'm going to be a man who commits his family to God and serves Jesus. I'm committing to him. I will commit to him in my lifestyle. I will commit to him in my marriage. I will commit to God in my money. I will commit him every day of my life. I will get up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will get up and say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be right in your sight, oh God. I will commit my life. No caboose to hell for me, baby. I'm going all the way. Hear it and act on it. 
I'm not sure how to take this message, Pastor. Good. Maybe you'll pray about it. I don't believe I, I know what I heard you say. It doesn't matter what I say. What's the Holy Spirit saying? This is the point. It's the whole point of our church. It's never been about me. It's never been about what we want you to do. It's what is God speaking to you to do. Now go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, stand up so I can quit. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Spirit, we, we repent. Every Sunday we ask that you would meet us here for a fresh encounter. Lord, every week we pray you would meet us in our workplace. For that, for that mommy the greatest job on the face of the earth who's staying home with those little babies raising those little children, the next generation she feels hidden, nobody sees we declare over her the presence of God in that home she would hear what the Lord is saying she would do it for the, for the man who feels like he's in a rut and a routine I pray Lord that he would quit that job in, in his mind and understand he's a missionary to that employer. That he's not there by accident. You divinely have him there. You've ordered his steps to surrender to it and take up a mantle that God has placed a man of God in that business. Begin to allow the Holy Spirit to use him. Father, we don't need we don't need feathers falling and and dust on us. We don't need something. We we just need you to empower us to do what you've already said to do. God, I pray for this church. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray for those in this room and those on the internet. I pray for this worship team, those who are teaching our children today. Our student leaders, Lord, I pray for everyone on this campus that you would empower us to hear and to act. That you would transition us from being spectators to participators. God, that we would wake up and see the culture, how it's numbed us to just watching. Awaken our spirits that this thing only works when we put our hands on it and go after you. Lord, I bless this people. This is a tremendous year that's coming. There are great things on the horizon. Some of them will see family members come into the kingdom. Some of them will experience a depth of you they've never thought possible. Some of them will be transitioned from one marketplace to another but heaven's going to open 
a word's going to come for each one of them and they'll have an opportunity to act or not act. Lord, let us not be set in religion and routine so much that we fail to do what you're telling us to do. Lord, I bless them that your spirit would do great and mighty things through us that we know not of. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we hope that this message has brought you hope and encouragement, and it was just what you needed for today. If you're joining us today and we can partner with you in prayer in any way, it would be our honor. Please reach out to us by visiting our website, mycitylight.org. And lastly, if the Holy Spirit has laid it on your heart to give today, you can do that by visiting mycitylight.org and go to the giving tab or text any amount to 84321. Be blessed.